This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here by MLB.com National Editor Matt Myers. We finally had some moves over the weekend. Eric Hosmer has a home. J.D. Martinez has a home. Gerard Dyson has a home. And Jake Odorizzi has a new home. We're going to talk about all of that from the StatCast perspective. And we're also going to talk a little bit about whether it matters who your closer is right now. Spoiler alert, probably not. Uh, were you surprised to see Eric Hosmer end up with San Diego, or is that kind of where you thought this was headed all along? I thought he was going to go back to Kansas City. Um... The longer it dragged, I actually thought he was more likely than going to go to San Diego because I kind of felt like there probably was opportunity a long time ago to sort of realize, oh, there's only two teams in on me. If there's only two teams in on me, I'm just going to go back to Kansas City where I, where I know, where I'm com- comfortable and familiar. So this was one um, where the longer it dragged, I thought it made it more likely he was going to go someplace else. I was I was a little surprised at the reaction to the Eric Hosmer deal. Eight years, $144 million, uh, both for myself and kind of around baseball because I am supposed to hate this, right? Like, Eric Hosmer ha- has been wildly overrated, maybe the most overrated player in baseball over the last couple of years. Uh, he does not rate well in wins above replacement or defensive metrics, and, you know, it's easy to laugh at all the clubhouse magic he brings. And the Padres are not going to be good this year. So this is exactly the kind of deal you're not, you're not supposed to like. And yet I found myself not really minding this that much from the Padres' point of view, uh, because if you look at it, you know, they got better. They, they got better for, you know, a guy they hope that they can build on, right? He's hopefully going to be there when they're good. He actually did come off a very good year last year. He's never been consistent, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just like the effects of this winter making me think that, oh, my God, somebody actually went out and got better and improved themselves for just money. Maybe I'm getting soft now in my old age. I didn't actually mind it for the Padres. I mean, he was actually very good last year. Right. Um, the weird thing about him is that he's like he's been like the uh... – He's been like sort of the San Francisco Giants. It's been like every other every other year. If you go 2000, uh, 2012, which was his second full year in the majors, he was below replacement level per fan graphs. 2013, 3.2 war. 2014, zero. Literally replacement level. 2015, 3.5. 2016, below replacement level. 2017, four wins. For war. So this was by far his best best year of his career. He played all 162 games, which is just interesting because no one does that anymore. Yeah, he, um, he was really good, but I, I might add, if, uh, for all of his leadership skills and clubhouse magic, how many wins did Kansas City have last year? So it's it's. I mean, I know these things are not easy to quantify, but it's it's always easy to push back on that. You're right, though. He was very good last year. He had 318, 385 on base, a 498 slugging. Uh, that's 130. The 135 weighted runs created plus. That is 25th best of qualified hitters between Daniel Murphy and Anthony Rizzo, who are both very good. And he was terrible in April. Don't forget. So after that, he was great. After April, 402 on base, a 533 slugging, and a 149 weighted runs created plus. He was, without argument, a very good hitter last year. And I mean, you mentioned Daniel Murphy, and I know we talk about him a lot on this show. But like, let's just say, for argument's sake, let's purely for argument's sake, let's say the Padres believe that. Eric Hosmer in 2017 uncovered something new in his swing, and they firmly believe that this is a new Eric Hosmer and has turned his career around. Like, looking back at Daniel Murphy three years ago, you know, 
No one thought he was a superstar. He got what three years, thirty million, which is might be like the most bargain free agent deal. Maybe, maybe <laughs> he, made, the, he made that back in like the first month. That might be in terms of a I would I would in terms of a multi year deal, which I will as which I will quantify as three years or more. That Daniel Murphy deal might be the best multi year free agent contract ever given out. Wow. I'm going to have to think about that for a second, and this is probably going to turn into somebody writing about this because <laughs> that's a really interesting idea. I'm but thinking the, like Nelson Cruz is like one year for $8 million. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like long t- like, yeah. you, know, you, get, you get bargains on one-year deals all sure. the time. I'm talking about a three-year three – because a three-year commitment is like a real commitment. It's saying like we, you know, we really want this guy in our team for a few seasons, and I'm sure there's someone I'm forgetting. I get it. But like it is an unreal, like, unreal contract for the club. And, and, he, and he's still got another year on it. And, of course, you know – this this is apples and oranges. Obviously, Hosmer just got eight years. Granted, there's an opt out after five, but you know he's not going to take it if he's <laughs> he's not going to opt out if he's playing poorly. But point being, like, you know, if they really think that if they really believe that some approximation of the 2017 Eric Hosmer is Eric Hosmer, they're going to get for the next five years. This is a totally reasonable, totally reasonable deal. I, I agree with you on that, but that's the question, right? If because he's been very inconsistent. And I wonder if he actually outperformed a little bit. I don't want to say lucky, maybe a little fortunate in 2017. If you look at his expected weighted on base, right, which includes strikeouts and walks, it looks at outcomes of exit velocity and launch angle. In 2015, he had a 362 expected and a 360 actual, earned everything he got. In 2016, he had a 339 expected and a 333 actual, basically earned everything he got. Last year, a 347 expected and a 385 actual. So that was the first year he started outperforming. And I don't think we know enough yet to say that that is or is not going to be predictive for the upcoming year, but it's something to at least think about, right? And then, you know, you get into his defense, and I mean, this is the most divisive topic in the world. He wins gold gloves. All the defensive metrics hate him. We, you know, we are working on infield defense, and like the extremely early numbers I've seen do not reflect well upon his range. So I don't, I don't think you can look at that as being a strength. I doubt I doubt the Padres are looking at at this, you know. Let me take that back. They have scouts, right? But they have stats. Like, they know all of this, and they still thought he was worth this contract. To me, the big question about this deal, to me, in a vacuum, the deal is, okay, I get it. You know, the Padres, not even in a vacuum, from a Padres perspective, like, they, all it is for them, it's quote-unquote, all it is, quote-unquote, is money. You know, they don't have, they, I think they have to give up, because he got a qualifying offer, They and they're a, a revenue-sharing team, it's what, they have to give up their third highest pick? The number 47 overall pick. Okay, so that's something, but it's not, you know, it, it's not going to change the direction of a franchise to me the bigger question is this is if they are if they were so desperate to spend a lot of money this offseason they felt that there was value to be had was this the best way they could have spent it like spending the money to me is not the issue it's more about is this the best way they could have spent it and that i'm not sure about i've tried to think about okay well what could they have done otherwise like you know earlier this offseason they traded for trade to get chase headley back like would they be better off have just like gone out and getting Mustakas, who's clearly going to be a huge bargain now at this point. Like uh, that is 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 my question. Do you think there's something to be said for signing the guy who will take your money? The Padres have not really been a desirable free agent destination uh, for a lot of reasons. They've they've never really been in contention, and I think there's a lot of guys who just aren't interested in going to a team they don't think can win right now, right away. And I don't think San Diego is going to win right now. But if, I mean, it was only what three years ago when they traded for Matt Kemp, they traded yeah. for Justin Upton, they signed James Shields. James Shields and, took their took their money. And Kimbrell. But that, I think <laughs> that, that was, that was Kimbrell was a trade. 
Well, right, but all in the same offseason. But uh, Shields, uh, was, Shields was a free agent. Shields at the time was considered, as no. hard as it is to believe, this is like only three years ago, he was considered one of the best pitchers on I the agree. market. But no, but that's different though, right? Because I think when Shields came, they were they were doing those other things. They were trying to go for it that year, even though everybody thought saw that this was not going to work out, and it didn't, uh, and they traded James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr., by the way. That's going to be one of the greatest <laughs> steals in the entire history of baseball. And I guess my point is, uh, you're right. But I don't know what else they would have done with the money because the older free agents, like you know, a 32-year-old Arietta or whatever, Lorenzo Cain, I don't think that makes sense for a team that's not ready to win this year. You could go out for like one year or two year of, Loren- of uh, Logan Morrison, but fine, I-, I get it. I mean, it's money that they they spent to get better. I don't love the fit because now you have that Will Myers in the outfield, and, and that's part of the problem. Is it's like a bit of a square peg on this team um, because they're theoretically their best player is a first baseman, Granted, who came up as originally drafted as a catcher. Like, move to third base in the outfield, Will Myers. Um, here's my thing with this, and we're going to we're gonna get deep into the stack cast numbers now. So Will Myers is probably going to play left field, maybe maybe right field. We don't know yet how it's going to work out. But for the moment, Will Myers left field, Manny Margot in center field, Hunter Renfro in right field uh, if he doesn't get moved, and then some kind of backup combination of, like, Jose Perella, Matt Caesar, and Alex Dickerson, and Travis Jankowski. Um, I, need to, I need to make a case for Franche Cordero here. Uh, and we've we've been following Franchi Cordero for a while, partially because he's had a fantastic name. But he's one of those guys who just keeps popping up at the top of our Statcast list. Uh, if you look at speed, sprint speed, twenty nine point five feet per second. That was the seventh fastest sprint speed in all of baseball last year. Four hundred and fifty one qualified players. He was seventh fastest in baseball. If you look at catch percentage added in the outfield, obviously he didn't play that much. Uh, the balls that were hit to him, the expected uh, outcome here would be catching eighty seven percent. He caught ninety five percent. So that's the second biggest value you add of over 200 outfielders who qualified and if you look at exit velocity and i'm borrowing this from our friend jeff sullivan at fagrafts if you look at all of his uh tracked batted balls last year there were 49 of them so 10 of those had an exit velocity of more than 105 miles an hour 20 percent of those batted balls were hit at 105 miles an hour or harder of the more than 400 players with 50 tracked balls the only ones at a higher rate than that were aaron judge john carlos stanton miguel sano nelson cruz gary sanchez and Joey Gallo. I'm not saying that he is those guys. Obviously, he's not. No, you're but, saying he's those guys, but with speed. But with speed and defense, <laughs> right? Exactly right. Um, and he's gonna lose. He's gonna lose a lot of playing time now. Last year at AAA, granted, this was El Paso, and that's like you know Coors Field times ten. So take these numbers with a grain of salt. He had 326, a 369 on base, a 600 slugging percentage, 603, 17 homers, and 15 steals. He's the kind of guy I want to see play. This is the kind of guy that a young rebuilding team should be giving opportunities to, and I feel like he's not gonna get a shot now. Well, I mean. I think I'm not so sure about that because there's already been rumors. Uh, our own John Paul Morosi uh, was uh, wrote last night that there's they're already getting calls about training Fronto Renfro. Teams are interested in training for him, and that makes a lot of sense because he's someone who probably has, to most people, probably has higher perceived value than Cordero. He's a first round pick, big power, big arm. On this show, we've compared him to uh, the Jay Bruner profile before. Interesting player. So I. To me, the Padres are going to make a trade. I think they're going to trade one of these guys because I think they do value. Uh, is it is it Franchi? I believe it's Franchi. Franchi. Yeah. I guess I don't really know. But I, I think they I think they value him, and I think that Renfro is probably the one who's because they're they're not getting rid of Myers, they're not getting rid of Margot. Who's no Margot's going to be a star. Yeah. So to me, it's it's I don't think there's there's value there. They can get something. They can get uh, a young arm probably. And Perella can play some second base. Granted, I think he was moved to the outfield because he wasn't very good second right. baseman. But that seems to be what's going to happen is he's going to get more reps there. Do you know what we just did at the top of our show? What did we just spend the first 10 minutes on? Your San Diego Padres. And it wasn't even Luis Perdomo talk. 
We're going to, I guess, talk about the Padres uh, indefinitely. There are a lot of other moves that happen, but quickly before we move on, a quick second to tell you about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Spring training is in full swing, which means it's time to think about your fantasy drafts. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association five years in a row, and one reason why is the Yahoo Fantasy app. The app will help you get the expert advice and analysis you need to make moves like a big league GM and crusher league. You'll be able to draft, trade, and manage your team right from your phone. Sign up by downloading the Fantasy app or going to yahoo.com slash fantasybaseball. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball is the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. Now, I think the most predictable move of the entire offseason was the Red Sox signing J.D. Martinez, and it took many, many months. Finally, the Red Sox signed J.D. Martinez, and I feel like people never really seem to understand how great GD Martinez is. They look at his his career stats, uh, and it's a little misleading. He wasn't very good in Houston. He completely rebuilt his swing. He's one of the launch angle guys, airball revolution, all of this. We know the JD Martinez story. Uh, he is not just a good hitter. He's a great hitter. If you go back to 2014, he has a 300 average, a 362 on base, a 574 slugging. That's a 148 weighted runs created plus which is the fourth best of all qualified hitters. That's really good. The three years of StatCast, if you look at expected weighted on base, of all hitters with 400 plate appearance in 2015, he was 10th best of 180. The next year, he was 11th best of 183. Last year, the fourth best of 183. He mashes. He is an elite hitter. I know he's not a great defender. He's probably going to be a DH, but he is one of the best hitters in baseball. I'll give you one more uh, great StatCast fact. StatCast, as always, presented by Amazon Web Services. Um, Since it was introduced prior to the 2015 season, he has 182 barrels, second in all of baseball, only to Nelson Cruz. That's 10 more than Mike Trout. That's 17 more than Giancarlo Stanton. That's 20 more than Josh Donaldson. Barrels, as uh, longtime listeners know, is basically our definition for optimal contact, batted balls that are basically destined for extra bases. <laughs> that, I mean, that's kind of the point, though, right? Yeah. He's so good and so dominant at the plate that it almost feels like there's not a lot of analysis to add to it because it's just like, yep. He's really good. They added one of the best hitters in baseball. I do think, you know, the Red Sox offense is going to be a lot better this year, and he's going to get a lot of the credit, which is fair because he's going to be very good. But I think they were going to be better even, you know, aside from him. You look at Mookie Betts, had a pretty down year for him. He played half the year with a hand injury. Xander Bogarts, through the middle of the season, had pretty much the exact same year he was having the two years before. He got hit by a pitch, played through pain, was terrible in the second half. So those two guys, I think, are going to be much better. Uh, now you've got J.D. Martinez. I have to think Jackie Bradley's going to be better. His second half was atrocious there's, there's a lot of young talent on this team even last year i know last in home runs 10th and run scored and they also they also have probably a little more i think the other thing that martinez helps with you know it's depth you know because now they've got henley ramirez penciled in at at first base but they also have mitch moreland um pedroia is going to start the year in the dl but he's going to be back so they'll have some more pieces they can move around i still think hanley can be um be a weapon it's just i think it's being able to spot him against the right pitchers, getting him off days. Um, he's someone I think still think has, has has some production left. And I'm a huge fan of Alex Cora, who's the new manager, former guest on the StackCast podcast, Alex Cora, who spent a lot of time this winter talking about being aggressive. You can you don't have to let a first pitch go by, you know, if it's a hittable pitch. And that's what we talk about a lot, is you're, if you're going to get one good pitch, go ahead and mash it. Who cares what count it is? And I think he's really going to preach that. So I do think the Red Sox are going to be um, a much better offense. Here's the question. How are they looking in the American League East, right? I, I mean... If you look at every other division in baseball, the other five divisions, I think we're going to have like 100% sweeps as far as who's going to be predicted to win those divisions. The Dodgers and the Nationals and the Astros and the Indians, right? Uh, in the American League East, I think I'm still slightly on board with the Yankees. If you look at fan graphs, they are tied at 93 wins. At Baseball Prospectus right now, uh, I don't think they've included Martinez yet, but Yankees 97 wins, Boston 88 wins, which seems shocking to me. <laughs> that seems extreme. I think they're I think they're really close. I um my feeling about the Red Sox is I think some people are maybe 
selling their starting pitching staff a little bit short. I think some people, because David Price hasn't been great for them and it's sort of been like a bit of an off-the-field uh, distraction, yeah. to say the least. But again, I, I still think there's an elite starting pitcher there and that there's a reasonable chance, reason, there's reason to believe that like he can be that guy again. I think, well, I'm one of the people selling the rotation short, right? I think Chris Sale is awesome, obviously. I agree with you that David Price uh, can still be very good, but with obviously a lot of injury risk. Do you trust Eduardo Rodriguez or Rick Porcello or like Stephen Wright? I mean, they don't really have much depth behind them. That's that's there's a lot of concerns there for me. I guess is what I would say. I almost think that they needed a pitcher as much or more than they needed a bat, and I, they don't really have any more salary room to go get. Right? They are they forget the luxury tax. They are up to like the final barrier before they start getting taxed at a crazy rate. Yeah, and that's and that's that's sort of the the issue that they're in right now. What's interesting about the JD Martinez deal for me is it it kind of it 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 throws them way over the luxury tax for this year and could theoretically like take them out of next year's free agent market. Not saying that JD Martinez is a bad signing for them because he's like fits them perfectly, but it's interesting that all these other big market teams, traditional sellers, traditional like free agent buyers have been trying to stay under the luxury tax this off season in preparation for next year, Bryce Harper, Machado, maybe Kershaw, Josh Donaldson, et cetera. The Red Sox obviously have done the opposite. And as I said, for good reason. But it's sort of interesting to look at think look ahead to next year, knowing that they're probably not going to be in on any of those guys. So what you're saying is they must win this year. Um, I mean, they certainly should be a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much everyone's going to pick the Yankees and Red Sox as you know American League East champs and a wild card in whatever order it turns out to be. The payroll thing is interesting though in terms of midseason acquisitions, right? And that might be a good reason to give the Yankees the edge is where the Yankees are in position because they've sort of kept a little buffer between their you know between the luxury tax to stay under it where they're in a much better position to kind of go out and take on some salary during the year. Whereas the Red Sox, as you mentioned, to go over that, they end up going over the 237 mark. That's. If you go over $237 million, the overage tax is almost 75% on every dollar over that mark, which is a lot. And uh, they are, I believe, approximately up to $235 million with the Martinez signing. So they are extremely close. There were actually several moves that happened this weekend. Uh, One of them was Jake Odorizzi, who got traded to the Twins uh, by Tampa Bay, and he was traded for shortstop prospect Jermaine uh, Palacios, who is not a highly regarded prospect. He was number 27 in the twin system at MLB Pipeline. Now he's number 22 in the Rays system. Here is the question, because I know every, everybody on earth hated this trade, and I understand it. If I were the Rays, I'd probably just hang on to Odorizzi. Is he good, right? I mean, I, I know that's a harsh way to say it, but if you look at him last year, a 414 ERA, a 510 FIP, a career low 21% strikeout rate, a career high 10% walk rate. He gave up almost two home runs per nine innings. And even in the world of baseball, everybody hitting home runs. That's a lot of home runs. And a big part of it is that he is an extreme fly ball pitcher. If you look at last year, he had a 30.6% ground ball rate. That was the second lowest in baseball behind only Marco Estrada of the 134 pitchers who threw 100 innings. He had the sixth highest launch angle, as you'd expect. He doesn't throw that hard. His fastball was 91 and a half miles an hour. Fastball spin is pretty much league average, uh, 2,287 RPM. The average for four seamers is 2,255. And yet he throws it high, really high. His average fastball, 3.2 feet above the plate, tied for number one with Darren O'Day. So you have a guy without great spin, without great velocity, throwing it high and basically getting crushed. How do you feel about that? Um, not great. <laughs> um, it's it's sort of funny, like the Twins, you know, front office has changed drastically, but he seems like the such classic Twins pitcher and like the Kyle Gibson, like um, 
Well, uh, what's that other guy's name? I'm forgetting. Kyle Gibson. It'll come to me. But that mold of like this, just like right-hander who doesn't throw that hard. You know, gives up a lot of fly balls. Scott Baker. They're all yes, Scott. It's Scott Baker. That's what I'm trying to think of. Like that's like that's a Twins pitcher. And like I know it's it's you know Thad Levine and uh, Derek Falvey running the show now. But this might as well be like 2008 with the pitch with the, the acquisition they just made. Yeah, I mean. I saw a couple of people tweet, "Oh, well, they got uh, they got Odorizzi and they got uh, Annabelle Sanchez as a reclamation project, so they're good. They're out on Arietta and they're out on Lance Lynn." Like, no, they they still need like two starting pitchers, as far as I'm concerned. And the fact of the matter is, like, if they were really on Darvish as they supposedly were, that means they were prepared to spend hundred million dollars on a pitcher. Odorizzi is you know is is still pre is still pre free agency six, six million I think. So this like year, they're yeah. still clearly in a position to add add a starter. Granted, now guys are starting to sign. There's there's fewer there's fewer options out there, but at this point, it'd be hard to imagine they don't end up with with Lynn or Cobb. When I was looking at his metrics and I saw, uh, you know, extreme fly ball pitcher, right, high launch angle, my first thought was, well, cool, he's going to the Twins, right? Byron Buxton is great out there, very good outfield defense. And then for that was like a brief second of entertainment, and they're like, oh, right, he's coming from the Rays. Kevin Kiermaier, <laughs> Malik Smith, Souza, these guys are already really good. He's not actually going to get a, a defensive boost. I mean, the crazy thing about him last year was that he had a two twenty seven batting average on balls in play. Which is ridiculously low. Well, that's what happens when very few balls end up in play. <laughs> <laughs> and his ERA was still four one four. His his fit feeling independent pitching was five forty three. Just to give you a sense of uh, what the sort of you know the the quality of his uh, his uh, performance was last year. Yeah, I mean he's also had these really weird reverse splits. I don't really have a good explanation as to why, but uh, last year his his splits two ninety three weighted on base against lefties, three twenty six against righties. Pretty much identical for his entire career. He's a, he's a unique guy. Like we all know, there's talent in there. He just hasn't shown it yet. Like I, I, like I said, I don't love it for the Rays. They didn't get a lot back. I would have rather just kept him. Uh, but this was not a guy with a lot of trade value, I don't think. No, certainly not. I mean, the last couple of years, he's been just pretty, pretty meh and pretty, pretty bad in 2017. So at first, there, again, we talked about this in like last week. I think we were talking about Alex Cobb. I think in my mind, maybe just because they're Ray, the former Rays, he fits the same my mindset like four years ago he was like oh this is a promising young picture you know like and then i still kind of have that image in my head of that guy he was also a high draft pick you know so he had the pedigree but then you look at you like bear down and look at his numbers last couple years like oh he's Really, just a guy. Fun fact: Last year, uh, Odorizzi had a 320 expected weighted on base, exactly the same as Alex Cobb last year, and also Clayton Richard and Jason Vargas, who just signed with the Mets. So, you know, for the Twins, they listen. They need arms. They didn't give up that much. Great for them. But yeah, sure. It's not. It's not a. It's not a bad deal for no, the Twins. They, but they need. They need somebody else. Uh, Gerard Dyson signed with Arizona, and this is a fun one because Gerard Dyson's a pretty good Statcast guy. Uh, he, the very first year of Statcast in 2015, obviously we didn't have Sprint Speed out yet, but you know we were able to go back retroactively. 30 feet per second in his fastest one-second window. That was his average. He was the fastest guy in baseball in 2015. And then in 2016, 29.6 feet per second, still fourth fastest. Last year, 28.8 feet per second, 30th fastest. So still extremely well above average, but he's 33 years old. He'll turn 34 later this year. And, uh, you know, I guess age comes for us all. You're starting to see it. But this is kind of what we talked about with Lorenzo Cain. If you're starting from such a high spot, a little bit of decline is not going to kill you. And the, the, the Diamondbacks got him for two years, $7.5 which I, it was a deal I actually really like a lot. I know it came out like 10 minutes after Martinez signed with the Red Sox, so it looked like a response, but that's not how these things work. And they really, really needed A.J. Pollock insurance in center field because they haven't really had that. Last year they had like Ray Fuentes and Gregor Blanco and Jeremy Hazelbaker playing center field. And the year before when Pollock was hurt, they ended up with like Chris Owings and uh, I think they had to get Michael Bourne at some point. So they really badly needed uh, some center field insurance. 
Jaw Dyson is actually a better hitter against righties than you think for his career. Only slightly below average, 331 on base, uh, 93 weighted runs created plus. Unplayable against lefties, uh, 55 weighted runs created plus. But he's there to back up Pollock. Last and I checked, to most, most pitchers are right-handed. Yeah, all right. So listen, he'll back up Pollock, which is great. And he's a very good outfielder. He's plus seven outs above average uh, each of the last two years, despite not playing full-time. And I, I wonder this. I don't have a good answer. But we talked about the humidor last week. Will that make more balls in play in the outfield if those balls are not flying into the seats? Yeah, in addition to being, and that's also in addition to um, insurance on Pollock, you're also talking about a team that gives Yasmani Tomas a lot of reps in the outfield. So P- P- Dyson is going to play a lot in this team. He's going to he's going to play a lot against righties, and he's going to be a, basically any game that's mildly close where they're winning, he's going to be a, a defensive replacement. So he will be a very useful piece in that roster pinch hitting i mean pinch, pinch running and some pinch hitting to be, to be honest um defensive replacement uh it's a good spot for him diamondbacks still need a bat right we talk about this with the rockies a lot about how everybody thinks their offense is great but they still need a bat and i think that's probably true for arizona a, a little bit too obviously goldschmidt is great and pollock and, and lamb and they signed alex avila you know i know tomas has power but i don't trust him in the least and everybody else like jury's fine and peralta's fine and owings and Marte are fine uh but it really feels like they need another bat and to you know do something with Tomas uh, other than having him on the field I guess is the way I would put it I just don't know who that is like you look at free agents uh you know Corey Dickerson just got DFA'd he's not gonna help on defense I get he's it not a, he's not a free agent yet well I mean he that, just got DFA'd we'll see what happens they still got like five more they're gonna there there's gonna be enough interest in them in him that they'll figure out some sort of trade granted they've hurt their leverage by you know forcing a trade yeah that was a weird that was a real well listen I, I mean i like Corey dickerson i got i got real tired real fast of people talking about him being an all-star yeah. last year that was overplaying it um his, his not... ops dropped every month last season literally it was it was a a a, a, line, a straight line down the only thing i could come up with for that was that uh they have a lot of outfielders now they have span and they really could use a first baseman so at least cj cronk plays on first base they didn't love that one dickerson will land somewhere else but if you're the diamondbacks you know do you want john jay Gomez maybe Carlos Gomez I could see he could be interesting you put him in left field if he's willing to do it I don't really love John Jay either I mean Melky Cabrera is not a what about, what about Cargo Cargo is Cargo I mean that, well that's that's always been a rumor I mean I can't it's where, it's where it all began for him it's where it all began um I, I do like the idea of trying to trade a pitcher or somebody for Domingo Santana you know I think that'd be interesting it depends on how much they're going to prioritize outfield defense. Um, but you'd think that having Dyson around would help with that a little bit. So I don't really know where this goes, but in a vacuum, I very much like, I did not mean to make that joke, but I very much like the Dyson deal uh, in a vacuum, which was a terrible pun. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to myself right now. And uh, I hope everybody in Arizona looks forward to two entire years of that. Finally, this is opening day closers. We don't talk about closers or saves on this show for a lot of good reasons, but I came across an interesting fact when I was thinking about the Cardinals bullpen because St. Louis fans are really unhappy right now. Usually when fans get mad at me, it's because I say their team's not good. I said the Cardinals were good, and St. Louis fans <laughs> were not happy about that, uh, specifically about the bullpen because they all want Greg Holland. Now, we've talked about Greg Holland. I think Matt and I both agree. He's a little overrated. He's not the guy he used to be. Yes, he saved 41 games. Who cares? I know nobody wants Luke Gregerson to be their closer for the entire season, but he won't be. And if you look back at the last seven World Series champions, every single one had a different closer in October than they did in April, which I I thought that was fascinating. It's not like four out of seven or five, literally seven of them, and for so many different reasons. Last year, you know, Ken Giles was really good, and then he blew up in the postseason, so Charlie Morton was on the mound at the end. You've had things like Geraldus Chapman replacing Hector Rondon, Holland himself getting hurt, and they have Wade Davis. 
uh, you know, Romo and Casilla going back and forth, replacing Brian Wilson. I liked the 2013 Boston one. I'd forgotten about the trade that sent Mark Melanson to Pittsburgh in the first place because it got Boston Joel Henrahan, uh, who pitched seven innings and then blew out his arm, was never heard from again, replaced by Andrew Bailey and then Koji Uhara. And then the first one to lead off this list, the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals started out with Ryan Franklin, who was 38 years old that year, moved on to Eduardo Sanchez, and then Mitchell Boggs. We're, we're remembering some guys here. <laughs> Fernando Salas, and then Jason Mott was actually the one who closed out that World Series. So the point they being— brought, They just brought back. They just brought back. So it's listen, if you have Kenley Jansen right now, fantastic. If you have Kimbrell, like wonderful. I don't want to. I don't want to overstate this and say like the Dodgers lost the World Series because they had Kenley Jansen all year long. That's not the point here. But it really doesn't matter who your closer is in February or even opening day. You can always find guys through trade. Like you look at the uh, Cardinals bullpen. I really like Tyler Lyons. I, if you, he's one of those guys where you look at his career stats and they're not great because he's a mediocre starter for a couple years. Last year, 283 ERA, 68 strikeouts in 54 innings. He had a 51% slider rate that was second only to Andrew Miller among 500 pitches. Brand had is up there as well. Uh, you know, these are the kind of guys who will come out of nowhere. They don't have any wins or saves right now, but that doesn't matter. Dominic Leone, who they got for Randall Gritchick, is another guy just like that. This is actually a decent bullpen. Cardinals fans are so mad at me right now. And I, st- and I think, as we talked about last week, I still expect Alex Reyes to end up closing. Yes, and it's a exactly right. <laughs> or, or, listen, maybe it's Alec Colome, right? I mean, I don't think that the Rays are going to hold on to him all year. They'll get somebody. I love the idea of Alex Reyes there. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Of all the d- deals the Rays have made, everyone expected Archer and Colome to be the guys that would trade this offseason. But those are like the only two guys that are still there. Oh, the, okay. Here's your answer for Arizona. Steve, uh, Steven Souza, right? Souza is a really good defensive outfielder. He can hit. If they're really going to go blow it all up, go get Souza. Put him in right field. Well, all right. <laughs> you heard it here first, that's my That's my new take. That is our show for this week. This is the MLB.com StatCast Podcast. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.